Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hello! I'm Leon and welcome to Good Time, Not A Long Time, a weekly comedy podcast where we rant, do random quizzes, discuss the latest news and give out questionable advice. Because it's only me, there's no need for a rundown <laughs> and there's probably no need for a quiz this week either because I, mean, I can't test myself. So without wasting any time, let's get straight into the podcast. Right, so last week I said that I wasn't going to be doing this week. However, uh, Tegan and Ellie have taken the turn for the worst. They've become severely ill <laughs> very quickly as well. And even though I have revision to do, I thought I might as well step in and record a solo show for you guys so you're not left without a podcast this week like last time. But isn't this ironic? I took some time off because I had COVID, right? And I was slandered last week by Ellie and Tegan for taking that time off. And now look at them. Ellie goes out for drinks, gets absolutely wasted, and now she needs today off. Tegan on the other hand, she's been developing uh, quite a severe flu over this past week as well. We think it might be COVID. She's taken a PCR test. I don't think she's got her results back yet. But yeah, so Ellie sounds like this. Been there, done that, just thought I missed a worldwide. And also, Tegan sounds like this. <coughs> so yeah, they're quite on the ill side. <laughs> to say the least. But yeah, welcome to the Leon Zone again. It's just me. So I've got some very good news. I think I mentioned at some point that I would be doing a driving test this week and I passed. I actually passed. Oh, but I would have passed. It was a bit of a mixed reaction when I did pass because apparently, well, the examiner at the end was like, yeah, that was the worst drive I've ever had all week. And it really took me back. I was like, really? <laughs> Okay, I didn't, I didn't know I did that badly, but sure. I nearly failed four times, pretty much. And the reason why I didn't fail at any of those points is because the people on the road at the time was actually competent and they didn't put myself or themselves in danger, which would have led to a fail. So that was quite daunting to experience. But thank you, everybody on the road on that day for being competent people. And, you know, my small mistakes didn't end up becoming big mistakes because of that. We go through the four ways I nearly failed. The first time I nearly failed was actually at the very beginning of the test and I was driving out of the test centre, right? This wasn't on the main road, by the way. This was still on the test centre road, so it was quite small. It was quite narrow. And when I turned to the right, because of how narrow it was, I was on the right side of the road. So then I had to quickly go back into the left side and the examiner said that if I had spent even seconds longer on the right side of the road, I would have got a major fail for that. So fortunately, I went back into the left as quickly as possible. The second time I nearly failed was on the car park where we were about to do my manoeuvres. So I was going down the car park and I looked up to my right and I saw a white car. Well, I just saw the colour white and I was like, oh, okay, there's a car there. It's fine though. I'll carry on. And as I was turning, I realised, oh wait, that car's also got its reversal lights on, which I didn't clock at first because it also was white and it was the pressure of the whole experience. I don't know. And 
if that car had moved backwards, then I would have got a major fail because I would have been obstructing traffic. Now, fortunately, the car that was there was a learner car, so their instructor probably would have turned to them and said, oh, wait, there's a car coming, just stop a second. And fortunately, I got away with it, but that could have turned into a major fail. Another way as well is I was going too close to the cars three times that were parked to the left. Now, when cars were coming towards me, obviously, I tightened the gap between myself and the cars that were parked on the left. But then it took me a while to untighten the gap when the cars had passed. And because I did that three times, if I had did it a fourth time, then I would have failed. So that was another moment. And the final moment where I could have failed was actually at the very end of the test. And when I was driving on my side of the road, there were two lorries that were parked to the left. But because of how big they were, they were blocking my entire side of the road. And to the right side, there were also two lorries with huge with a huge traffic queue behind them. But they were allowing the traffic on my side to go past. Now, what I should have done as a learner is I should have stayed behind the my two lorries on my my side and waited for the traffic on the right to pass. However, I didn't want to be put in that situation where I was now stuck behind two massive lorries and I was waiting for all this traffic to come past at the very end of the test because I wanted that test to be over as soon as possible. So I took a risk and I followed the traffic which, I mean, I didn't put myself in danger. I just followed because the traffic was being allowed out anyway. So I was just continuing that. I followed the traffic, went past the two lorries, and then went back into my lane. And then, you know, made it back into the test centre. Now, if any of those lorries at any point had moved forward, which I don't know why they would, because they were allowing us to move past. But oh well. If any of those lorries had moved forward, then it would have been considered as a serious fault and a major fail. Now, I knew at that point, that was one of the only moments where I was like, oh my word, I think I nearly fell there. Because when I turned with the traffic, my examiner's hand like twitched a bit and if an examiner intervenes in any point in the test you've automatically failed so when I saw the hand twitch I was like oh and I oh <laughs> just stay right there just smack it off no don't touch my controls no so I think it was only that point where I was like oh my god I just nearly failed then at the end of the test but yeah the examiner ripped into me at the end it was like that was the worst experience I've ever had all week it was awful because I had eight <laughs> I had eight minors <laughs> And by eight minors, I mean, I had eight mistakes. I'm not, don't worry, I'm not in possession of eight children. But yeah, I had eight minors. Uh, He said the worst he's had all week was five. I had eight. So it was was the worst experience that he's had all week. And I was just sat there thinking, I don't care. I've passed. A pass is a pass. A pass is a pass. A pass is a pass. And also, I'm actually surprised that I passed in the first place because one, I hadn't driven in six months. I did like, well, I only did two proper lessons with my driving instructor. And then I did two solo sessions just driving around with my dad and then it was time for the test and also it was in an area which I wasn't familiar with so the fact that I passed in the first place is just a miracle but anyway as soon as I got home I went straight on the internet found a car got the car it's a lovely brand new Vauxhall Corsa to any Europeans you might be familiar with Opal Corsa that's why it is in the UK it's Vauxhall I don't really know the reason behind the differences between names but yeah I've got the new version of that looks absolutely stunning absolutely beautiful but it's going to take 10 to 12 weeks because there's a global microchip shortage in the world at the moment and I wasn't familiar with that so the reason why I got the Corsa in the first place is I was tempted to get a Polo a Volkswagen Polo but I ended up with the Corsa because of this global microchip chip shortage, the Vauxhall Corsa would actually be delivered quicker than the other brands. However, even then, it's still going to take 10 to 12 weeks to arrive. So who knows how long I would have waited if I had ordered a Volkswagen Polo. Goodness me, if the Corsa takes 10 to 12 weeks. But yeah, so pass the test, absolutely chuffed. Celebration! Woo!
Brilliant. There's also something that I want to discuss that you might all find interesting as well. I have blockbuster dreams. <laughs> and by blockbuster dreams, I mean when I dream of something, it is like a whole cinematic production. Well, actually, see, I've mentioned on the podcast in the past that when I dream, it's nothing special. For example, I could dream about going into a McDonald's, ordering a burger, eating the burger, and then walking out. And then that would be my entire dream. Now, most days I have dreams like that. But then some days I have massive blockbuster dreams, which were so triggering and so disturbing. I remember the entire storyline and the entire plotline for it. And, you know, I think I relate that to um, Frankenstein or the the author who created Frankenstein. He thought of it in a dream. I mean, I hope I'm not making that up. Someone thought of something in a dream and then they created it in real life and they ended up becoming very famous for it as well. So I think it's pretty much like that. My brain is essentially giving me material to be like, Leon, look at this. We're creating something here. And because of my ineptitude with writing, I cannot like put this to paper because when I write things it's like he went to the bathroom and then he flushed the toilet and then he there's no creative layers to it I mean I could probably give a script writing a go for example but I mean I just don't have time but yeah sometimes when I have dreams it is blockbuster dreams now the dream that I had a couple of days ago my brain had created a zombie survival (laughs) it's been done many many times already but I just want to share it with you all and you know I guess some point in the future I could turn it into a film if I wanted to but pretty much it all started with again this is all fictional nothing that I'm about to say now is real it's just this is what I dreamt of so my mum and sister my mum and little sister they were playing in the garden and they noticed that there was a red squirrel. Now, in the UK, red squirrels are quite rare. In fact, they're endangered because of the grey squirrels. And when they saw it, they were like, oh my word, look, it's a, it's a red squirrel. Wow, look at that. And then they get close to the red squirrel and then the red squirrel attacks them and scratches them. I'm like, oh my word, it just attacks us. Anyway, I laugh it off. <laughs> I'm like, oh, you just got scratched by a squirrel. Funny, because that's what we are as a family. We laugh at each other's pain. It's fine. But then my sister and my mum, they start getting quite ill. And we're like, wow, are you okay? Me and my other sisters, this is. We're like, wow, are you feeling okay? And then the eyes start turning green. And then they keep on coming in and out of consciousness. And we were like, okay, right, something quite weird is going on here. So I get my sister to ring up the ambulance service. And we're like, uh, hi, there's something wrong with my mum and my little sister. Could we have some assistance over here? They're slipping in and out of consciousness and their eyes are green. And as they were on the phone, then right, my mum and little sister, they start to attack us. And we're like, holy crap, what on earth is going on here? Go, go this way, stay away. And because uh, our mum and my little sister, we didn't really want to hurt them, but they were savages. They were ravaging the entire place. Place. They were trying to like bite us, scratch us, and we're like, what is going on? So then we lock ourselves in the kitchen whilst, you know, the kitchen door is like banging because obviously my mum and my little sister, who weren't themselves anymore, were trying to get in. And we were like, what is going on? And then we hear like screaming around the streets and we're like, okay, right, something very bizarre is happening. Was it the squirrel? Anyway, then we were trying to think of a way to escape at this point. And we thought, okay, what if we went into the back garden, ran down the side passage, and then ran into the front? And then I was like, no, we can't do that because then my mum and my little sister, they will come out of the house in the front and they will chase us down. So we thought, okay, right, what we'll do then is we'll run out into the back garden, jump over the neighbour's fence, and then we'll go down to the uh, the side passage down the uh, down the side of the house and then run in that back alley bit. So we absolutely pegged it. We ran, hopped over the neighbour's fence, 
barged through the fence and then went into the back alley at the end. And then we ended up being surrounded by just zombies, essentially. I mean, there's no way to describe them. We ended up being surrounded by zombies. And then we're like, holy crap, what are we going to do? We don't have any weapons. And then out of nowhere, right, this dad, by the way, my dad's, he's, <laughs> he's not here at this point. We don't know where, where he is. But um, this dad, this random dad, you know, swoops in, shotguns one of the zombies in the face, grabs a crowbar, whacks it over the face. He's with two kids, by the way. He's with, like, two little kids who are, you know, absolutely dominating the area. They're, like, swinging their crowbars and shooting these zombies in the face. And me and my sister were like, holy crap, who is this? And I must say, my brain wasn't very creative when thinking of this person because he was your typical survival dad, you know, the red checkered fleece, the scruffy brown beard, you know, his kids looked like they had been through a lot but they just weren't faced by anything anymore because of the tragedy the tragic loss of their mother i suspect it was an awesome family my, my brain had created but when these guys were you know shooting these zombies in the face and whacking them with a crowbar these zombies would get back up even if they had like no head or whatever which you know completely undermines the entire concept of if you shoot them in the head they're gonna die because these zombies kept on coming back up so this dad's like right you three come with us i said we absolutely peg it now we're surviving <laughs> in my area <laughs> this zombie apocalypse we hear on the radio that there is an outpost within Manchester that we need to go to. So we then make our way down to this outpost. You know, as we're progressing, obviously, we're coming into contact with zombies. You know, we're whacking them over the head, shooting them in the face. You know, we're having like those cliche campfire moments just for some reason. I mean, we live in a suburban area. We, <laughs> we're not traveling in the woods, but my brain has still created this campfire experience for the night. And, you know, we share each other's stories. How did we get to where we are? And, you know, obviously the family that, again i've never met these people in my life my brain's just created these people and this family they tell their tragic story of how their mother died and how they needed to escape and yeah pretty much it gave them a backstory which sums up why they're so badass and why they don't even care anymore and why the children might need therapy <laughs> So yeah, we make our way to the outpost and then that's when we see my dad and my dad's like waiting in line to go into like the safe haven outpost and we're like, oh, my dad, look, oh we, we can't believe you survived. And you know, this, this family that was with us, they were like, okay, right, we're going to make our own way now. We're not going to go in this outpost. We're going to continue traveling up north. You know, we're, we're going to carry on. And we were like, okay, right, well, thank you for everything that you've done. Thank you so much. It's been, it's, it's been an honor. But anyway, so then I'm waiting in line with my dad and my sisters, but then somehow I get separated from from everybody else and instead of going up i ended up going down the outpost was split into two there's a top bit and there's a bottom bit an underground bit i ended up going down the underground bit and what i realized was i accidentally went into the outpost which was for the elites the elites of the north if you could call them that but even though they were classed as that they then started to transition into the kids that i went to high school with <laughs> Like every single classmate that I could think of or my brain could think of, they were in that underground bit. That includes Tegan as well. Tegan was there and Ellie was also there, even though she didn't go to my high school, but she was there as well. And we were just enjoying this underground bit after like all the trauma from the upper ground. We were enjoying like a life of luxury. We were drinking champagne, even though I've never drank champagne in my life. But we were drinking champagne, eating fancy foods and just living our best life. Anyway, this woman, this random woman is like, something's not right here. I'm going to go up and I'm going to check she goes up the stairs and then she gets shot in the face everybody else in the downstairs bit is like what on earth 
just went on there. She gets shot in the face, right? She gets removed from the underground bunker bit and then they close the door, they lock the door and then we're just watching at this point. We're, we're looking and we're like, what on earth is going on? That was suspicious. Then they open the door back up again. They shove it down these stairs. She's dead at this point and they close the door. And when we realised that, oh, this woman's dead, we went, but she's locked in with us. She's going to start transforming and then she does. She starts getting a bit bloated and then everybody in the underground bunker, we start to panic. We're like, oh my word! No, get us out! Some people, they're running back up the stairs, you know, banging on the door going, let us out! Get me out! You know, all that stuff. I, for some reason, decided to run into a communal shower area. No one was having a shower at this point, but it was a shared shower, so it was a mix between boys and girls. Uh, anyway, I run into here, and they're oblivious to what's happening outside. They have no idea what's going on. And in the showers at this point is also Tegan and Ellie. It might be a bit weird to discuss the fact that I dreamt about Tegan and Ellie during this dream, but I mean, it makes sense because I was also dreaming about everybody else who was in my class in high school, so I guess it makes sense. But anyway, I run in, and then Tegan's like, Leon, are you okay? Like, are you feeling all right? You look like you've just seen a ghost. And I said, they've just released a zombie in the underground bit, right? And then Tegan, she starts having a panic attack. <laughs> And then Ellie's like, Tegan, can't, we need to just, we need to focus. And then there's a knocking at the door in the communal shower area. And one of the lads who are in this communal shower area with us, again, no one's taking a shower, by the way. No one's naked. <laughs> My brain isn't that wild. But this lad, he goes over to the door and then I shout, don't open the door. And then he opens the door and what comes through, it's the woman who's transformed into just this grotesque monster, right? She is this, I can't, honest, when I woke up in the morning, this is the first thing that I thought about because it was just traumatic. I don't know how I envisioned this. I don't know how I created this, but I can't even describe it. It was that disgusting. Just imagine a massive humanoid blob of a person who is decaying and is making grumbling sounds and just honestly, the most terrifying thing I think my brain has ever thought of. But anyway, this zo fat zombie comes barging in, bites the neck off of this lad. We're like, holy crap, what is going on? Tegan's still having a breakdown. Ellie runs forwards, right? This fat zombie whacks Ellie to the side. Ellie's gone at this, but she's gone. And then I was like, we, we need to get higher because apparently this communal shout area has platforms. <laughs> Again, it's a dream. It's, it's not supposed to make sense. And then Tegan's like, what do we do? What do we need to do? And I'm like, okay, right. We need to turn on the showers and we need to flood the area. <laughs> Again, it doesn't make much sense, but go with it because it's a dream. I was like, we need to flood the area. So we turn on all the shower knobs as we're like running away from this fat zombie and this fat zombie as well is killing everybody else in this same shower room. We flood the area by turning on all the shower heads, right? The water rises and then we ump... <laughs> I don't know why, but we unplug this drain in the centre of the bathroom and then all the water begins to flush away, including this blob zombie uh, who gets sucked in the plug as well. But then Tegan also gets sucked in. And then I grab onto Tegan's hand. I'm like, Tegan, wait, grab onto the end bit. Pull yourself up. And she's like, I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm like, no, just get, just hold on. And she's like, the water's taking me down. And then Tegan's gone. Tegan's dead at this point. So everybody's dead. <laughs> But this doesn't make any sense because, you know, this is supposed to be an outpost, a safe haven. Why did they release a zombie here? And also remember as well, it was supposed to be the elite area, the elites in the Northwest, but they just happened to be people that I went to high school with. So but keep in mind, they were supposed to be the elites that I had accidentally stumbled in. So I sneak off and then I realised that there's a recruitment going on further underground. So I sneak past the secret passages and then I come into this like recruitment centre and then I get recruited as the security or the army, if you could call them that, for the defensive against, you know, this new zombie outbreak that's happening. But I had to disguise myself because obviously 
I didn't know whether I should have been there in the first place and, you know, whether they would have shot me on the spot because they already tried to kill us back in the outpost. So then I disguised my name as Craig. <laughs> I mean, out of all the names to think of, I was Craig. I just called my name was Craig, and I went over to, to the front bit to the desk, and they were like, can I have your name, please? And I went, oh, it's Craig. And they were like, where's your residency? Where are you from? I mentioned where I was from, and they were like, okay, Craig, you've been sent to the sixth division. Please make your way to the left. So I make my way to the left, and then I meet all the other guys who are going to be on my team, and apparently I've been assigned as a support for this army. They weren't the real army, but they were like a mock-up army. I don't know how to describe it, just bear with. But anyway, I've been classed as a support, so when anybody's ever in need, I provide the ammo, I provide the quick bandages as well, and... I'm giving like a little pistol because I'm support, I'm supposed to be in the background. And I remember having a big issue with that. I was like, why have I got a pistol? I need more. But yeah, anyway, our first mission that we did, we had to operate the trains in the underground. Now, there's no underground system in Manchester. Actually, no, I think there is. I think there is, but it's not like the London Underground. Anyway, we were operating the underground train and our job was to get rid of the zombie threats in the underground. So we were, you know, traveling around and we were shooting them and killing them and, you know, saving people, bringing them onto the train and then sending them to these outposts. But then we were Realize, well, I realised that, wait, when I was with the family before, when they were shooting these zombies and, you know, hitting these zombies in the head, they wouldn't go down. But when we're shooting these zombies, these zombies are dying instantly. So then I start, during the night, I start looking at these bullets that I've been putting in my gun and they've got like this weird substance on the tip. Like, this is quite interesting that they've found a way to uh, kill off all these zombies this quickly. And anyway, right, there's a full-blown conspiracy at this point. I'm thinking that the government has started this thing. I'm like, okay, but this is really suspicious. And I'm like, why on earth? Earth would we be having such ammunition this quickly? So anyway, in our next mission, whilst we were on the train, what I end up doing is I ended up talking to everybody else on my team. And I'm like, look, guys, like our bullets are killing these zombies very quickly, which means they've got an antidote or they've got a cure already, but they're keeping it secret from us. And obviously some of the people in my team, they're not happy with this revelation. They're like, this is mutiny. This is treason. How dare you? And then we shoot these guys in the face. We unbuckle the, uh, the car in the train and then we speed off and then we head down to good old London. <laughs> <laughs> a nice two-hour journey down London. And at the same time, you know, we're killing zombies, shooting them in the face, whatever. Anyway, we make our way down to London, right? And then I burst into the House of Parliament because London is still, like, it's all vibrant and there's no zombie outbreak. So I go, I head into Parliament with the rest of the guys and I'm like, why are our bullets easily able to kill these zombies, right? And why on earth was a zombie released in the underground safe haven for the Northwest elites? Apparently what was happening, there was a coup being created up in the north with some government parties, you know, forming some type of extremist group and extremist coalition. And the party, I'm not going to specify which party is not because... <laughs> I don't want to make this a political thing because it was just a light-hearted dream. But the party who were in power at the time, they felt threatened. So what they thought of doing instead is they sent out this zombie outbreak through these squirrels up to the north and they created an excuse for these people to come into these safe houses and then they released zombies into these safe houses to basically kill off all of their opposition. And then their plan was to come in with an antidote, cure them, and then they'd stay in power for a very long time. And that was their plan. And we were like, how dare you? And my I say as well, the Prime Minister was not Boris Johnson in my dream. It was someone who I do not like as a person. They were the Prime Minister. <laughs> and I'm not going to mention who that is, but they were the Prime Minister at the time. I was like, how on earth could you do that to your own country? 
and then you know this whole fight breaks out and you know we're shooting they've got their security team coming in and shooting and whatnot and it's a massive fight grenades being thrown explosions are happening then zombies come out of nowhere because why not even though london was a safe haven when we went in apparently they're zombies now because again it's a dream it doesn't make sense and then we kill them all off we run down into this like back passage and then we find the prime minister there and we're like give us the antidote they were like no i'm not going to give you the antidote so then we end up shooting them in the face take the antidote for ourselves and then we heal all of the northwest there's no more zombies after like a mass vaccination program sounds a bit familiar doesn't it mm, covid <coughs> miss rona but yeah we roll out this massive vaccination program and yeah then we end up saving the uk from a zombie outbreak <laughs> So that's fun. And that was a dream that I had. I mean, if you think about it, that was like a proper blockbuster dream. And it was the first time I had had a full 10 hours without waking up in the middle of the night. I woke up and I was like, that was slightly disturbing. This might be something that I need to talk with a therapist about, <laughs> to be fair. But yeah, that was a dream that I had. And if I had any sort of writing ability, I could, you know, turn that into a film. If anybody listening to this podcast decides to turn this into a film, I'd like royalties. Thank you very much. Otherwise, I will be knocking on your doors. Be like, why have you stolen my content? Again, because it's a zombie apocalypse, it's not really the most unique concept. But the story within itself, I think, could have some uh, USP. I think so. But anyway, that was my dream. And now it's time to move on to In What World? top stories camels have been banned from a saudi arabian beauty contest after being found to have had facelifts and botox a country is banning cigarettes for future generations if you're an introvert you're in luck because they have created something that could help you with your socialization skills and which country is officially the booziest in the world i'm leon and this is in what world so our first top story this week is camels have been banned from a Saudi Arabian beauty contest after being found to have had facelifts and Botox. More than 40 entries have been disqualified from the popular King Abdulaziz Camel Festival, which started earlier this month. It's a month-long event hosted in the desert northeast of the Saudi capital Riyadh, and breeders come in to compete for a $66 million or £50 million prize. They have judges who decide the winner based on the shape of the animal's head, the neck, the hump, the dress and postures. However, some people have been a bit sneaky sneaky and they've been trying to beautify these camels by giving them facelifts and Botox. Unfortunately, thanks to a specialised and advanced technology, officials have found actually that breeders had stretched out the lips and noses of camels, used hormones to boost the muscles, injected heads and lips with Botox, inflated body parts with rubber bands and used fillers to relax their faces. And the club is keen to halt all all acts of tampering and deception in the beautification of camels, organisers would impose strict penalties on manipulators. To be honest, for a $66 million or £50 million prize, I'm not surprised that this is happening. Of course you're going to get some of these people who do these things, but obviously they've got this technology to stop this from happening and to detect these things. So hopefully in the future, they will not be tampering with the natural beauty of camels in the first place. But anyway, in other news, New Zealand is working to eradicate cigarette use in future generations. Generations. 
The country plans to enact a new law in 2022 that will phase in a smoking ban for young adults. This means that everyone born in 2009 or later would never be legally able to purchase cigarettes. Now, this obviously is a very controversial one. Loads of people have cigarettes, loads of people, you know, use cigarettes and some people use it for anxiety reasons, some people use it because it's nice and it's fun. My personal opinion on cigarettes, I don't like them and I don't like being next to a person who is smoking because I'm taking in all those fumes as well as this person is and also it sticks on your clothes as well it's just smoking just isn't for me and it's never going to be something for me even under extreme peer pressuring i would never take up a cigarette ever obviously this is a very controversial thing that new zealand are doing people will have their opinions on it some people will be for it some people will be against it however in the grand scheme of things unlike i don't know e-cigarettes or weed or whatnot smoking cigarettes is dangerous for your health it is deadly it's been proven and it has led to many many diseases and how cigarette companies are dealing with this at the moment is they're putting you know these graphic pictures on their cigarette packages to try and stop people from buying it but in reality no one really pays attention to that package in the first place do they so i think it wouldn't be that much of a bad idea people could be able to live healthy and happy lives and also there are substitutes to smoking if you are heavily addicted there are substitutes for example uh e-cigarettes and tablets and patches just there's many different things now i'm not saying that e-cigarettes are 100 proven to be safe I'm not saying that because i think there's much more research that needs to be done but anyway in other news if you're an introvert who hates being social meet your new best friend not me it's a robot called ori himi or ori him ori something it's ori he's called ori or she it's a nine inch robot and it can be your alter ego and is meant to help unsocial people be social without leaving home and the bot is controlled via an app so look forward to that in the future and our final story for this week australia has been officially crowned the world's booziest country which is a surprise to me because I would have thought it's either the UK or Germany one of the two or maybe a different place in Europe I would not expect Australia to be fair but hey ho it's been dubbed the world's booziest country and that is according to this year's global drug survey with residents drinking almost twice as much as the average getting drunk 14.6 times per year and Australians averaged a whopping 27.7 times a year so Tegan's probably listened to this if she is and thinking that is nothing I bet you this girl has got drunk more than 27 times in a year oh wait hold on what is that sound oh well it is the fact of the week let's spin the roulette wheel to see which fact we get this week's fact there is a tick which could turn you vegetarian so the bite of a tick called the lone star can turn you into essentially a vegetarian it has a special sugar molecule called alpha gal that gets transmitted when he bites a person red meat pork and some dairy products also contain alpha gal however when a tick injects it directly into a person's bloodstream some people have a really bad reaction and develop an intense red meat allergy so if you get bitten by this tick whether you like the idea of being vegetarian or not unfortunately you will develop a severe allergic reaction to meats and that is the facts of the week now i think it's time to move on to our final segment agony ant So in this segment, Tegan usually responds to a question that she has found on the internet and the whole point of this is in the future when listeners start to write to us or tweet us, they can send us, yeah, their questions or if you're listening right now, you can send us your questions. Let's move on to what my question is that I'll be answering for you all today. This is Agony Ant. Agony Ant. 
So this question is from a troubled dad. He says, my younger son, who I'll call Kevin, has an IQ of 197. <laughs> that rhymed? Holy crap, this dad is a poet. So my son called Kevin, who has an IQ of 90 197, speaks seven languages and is able to understand advanced mathematics and chemistry like no kid I've ever seen. Even though he is only 14 years old, Kevin has already been offered full scholarships to over 20 universities and colleges worldwide. Kevin has the potential to become a great engineer or scientist and to accomplish marvellous things with his life. The problem is he has wanted to be a fashion designer since he was very young and his heart is set on pursuing this dream after high school. He's in the advanced courses and will be graduating next fall. I am heartbroken and don't know how to convince Kevin to use his gifted mind for a greater purpose. What can I say or do? Proud and worried. So my major thought on this is why are you worried? <laughs> why Why have you got any... You have literally bragged about your son having the highest IQ being advanced advanced in mathematics or whatever, why are you worried about the decision or the direction that your son wants to go in? He has got this stuff all planned out, don't you worry about a thing, he is smart enough. And also, it's better to allow your child to use his gifted mind and his creative mind to how he wants to use it. If you're going to drill into the fact that you need to be a scientist, you need to be an engineer, it's not really a healthy approach, is it? Because then he's going to think that he can only use his gift for these careers and not careers that he actually enjoys to do. It's more damaging, I think, to be in a career that you absolutely despise for the rest of your life just because of the opinions and thoughts of one person. It's much healthier to explore a career that you would enjoy and you do actually end up enjoying. And also, I think this person, whoever's wrote in, is making it out like the fashion industry is some place that dumb people go into like no he can use his genius and his creativeness to create like really complex designs in in the fashion industry because you still need to use your measurements and you still need to do like loads of research and keep track of basically all the trends and stuff it's quite an intense industry to be part of and if your son wants to be part of that i don't think he'd have any struggle in it at all i wouldn't even worry about him not being successful in it because obviously he will he's got he will have a lot of accreditation and not only that because because of how smart he is or how smart you claim him to be, even if the fashion industry doesn't work out for him, he can literally fall back on anything, right? I mean, what, 14 and he's got like scholarships of it, he can literally fall back on anything of his choosing. But just allow him first to explore his creativeness and allow him as well to do things that he enjoys. Yes, he has a gift, but he's not wasting it by going into the fashion industry, <laughs> okay? He's not wasting it one bit. If anything, he could make more money as a fashion designer than he would as a scientist. Just saying, the best thing that you could do about it is just not say anything. Do not even have any influence on what that child wants to do in the future. Don't even mention a thing. Just go with it. If you want to be a fashion designer, be like, oh, that's really cool. That's really nice. I support you. If you want to move into a different industry, be like, yeah, you know what? Yeah, go for it. Because it's that support that somebody needs in order to express themselves creatively and, you know, explore different things before they're able to settle in on the career for the rest of their life. Because if you feel forced to do something, that's when you get stuck doing something that you absolutely hate and then you're just working for the sake of working and nobody wants that. So the best thing for you to do is not to say anything. And that is my thought on this week's Agony Ant question. But anyway, I think it's now time to wrap it up for this week. If you've made it this far, you know, you might as well give us a rating and a review. It helps us out a lot and bumps us up the charts and lets the podcast directories know that
that, you know, people actually enjoy what we do. If you also wanted to be super supporters, you could support us on Patreon for as little as a pound or a dollar forty, where you could get access to exclusive content and early access with some other levels as well. We also have a TikTok at GTNALT underscore podcast, and you can find all of our social media links in the podcast bio or the episode bio. So thank you everybody for listening to basically this solo show this week, and I will pretty much see you all next week for the Christmas special. Thank you everyone for listening. Good bye! Who's the top artist in my Spotify rap to say? Well, it was only Tate McRae. Playing cool makes me lose my mind. I can't be someone I don't recognize. I'm not the type to have to say it twice. So wait for you till the end of night. Grammy now. Thank you very much.